This episode of Bullshit Breakaway is brought to you by you, the listener out there. Thank you so much. All right, uh, great show today. I have the Bantering the Bullshit Boys on. We talk about Pavel Bushnevitz extensively. Greg can't help himself but to talk about a Mets prospect. We talk about the World Cup way at the end, but a lot of Ranger talk, expansion draft, Brett Howden signings, and a lot of good stuff. You want to support the show? You know how to do it. We're going to talk about it during the show anyway. You'll hear about it. Uh, so let's get to Mark Messier, shall we? Here we go. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Breakaway fans, welcome to the Weekly Bullshit Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, of the illustrious, the eternal, the uh, amazing patreon.com slash Bullshit Breakaway. You, you can support Greg and I where we do BSBOT every single week. Very fun times, and I'm here with my co-host, Gregory Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Number one, Kumar Rocker podcast yes. on the planet. Yeah, no doubt about it. We, we got to do it first, man. Yeah, we'll I'm do not going to let you do it if we don't do it first. Yep, I mean, okay. Um... For those who don't know, this is the number one Kumar Rocker podcast. And who's Kumar Rocker, you may be asking, even though you're listening to it. He uh, is a pitcher, and he is now a New York Met. Anything else you want to say? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I, I'm, I'm going to make this as Rangers-related as possible to keep people's attention and to probably piss as many people off as humanly possible because I'm going to say stuff sacrilegious right now, and it's totally fine. Yeah, that's fine. I, no one's I ever going to call you out for it. <laughs> no one ever. No, that doesn't exist. I spent a lot of time. Right. First of all, the 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 ninety percent excitement and just ten percent relief that I felt when they fucking Rob Manfred, the first good thing he's ever said in his entire life, was the name Kumar Rocker after saying the Mets select. Um, I spent a lot of time, Ryan, trying to think of where I rank that in terms of the Rangers getting Kako and Lafreniere. Mm -hmm. So with Kako, it's different, right? Because the rain, it's like a two-step process. The Rangers first have to win the lottery, but as soon as they win the lottery, you know what they're doing. So the actual selection of the player is kind of muted by that point. Yeah, selection-wise, I agree with you. Like, we knew they were going to take Lafreniere. There was no doubt about it the entire time. And Capococco was all but a 99.9% lock, despite making the church a week before the draft, yes. Yeah, and the only thing that would have kept the Rangers from picking Kako is if the Devils did something insanely stupid and pass on Jack Hughes. Mm-hmm. Jury's out. <laughs> oh, jury. the jury's out. <laughs> jury's out. It's very clear the jury's not out. Who's on the New York Rangers right now, Ryan? Oh, Capo Caco. I mean, you said incredibly stupid. They probably should have taken Caco. I'm talking Caco up is what I'm saying. Keep going. Oh, oh. I thought you were saying the Rangers could have taken someone besides Caco and left him on the board at three. No, no. Absolutely not. Okay. Anyway. So, I remember where I was when the Rangers won the Caco lottery because I was working mornings back then. Yeah. So, I was literally in bed. That podcast is just screaming uh, from us. Yes. Lafreniere, we were just laughing. No pun intended. But it was funny that it happened again. Huh. We, we were amused by that. I don't know. I, the Rocker one hits so different because this shouldn't have happened, right? You could, you could make the argument that the Rangers shouldn't have won either of those lotteries. I understand it. But there is at least a percentage chance, chance in which the Rangers did so, and we considered those possibilities leading up to the lottery draw. Those, those were slim chances, but... A possibility. Before yesterday, 
I never considered the possibility of Kumar Rocker being and, here. And for people that don't know Gregory, I mean, you've met him, I'm sure, if you're listening to this what? right now. Uh, it, he's a Mets fan, first off. Second off, uh, Kumar Rocker grew up a Mets fan. Uh, and Greg has been talking up Kumar Rocker for like a year and a half, like in our private chats, like Two constantly. Years. Two years. Since his freshman year at Vanderbilt. Yeah, you've been like obsessed with him and, and Jack Leiter, obviously. Um, Jack Leiter now a Texas Ranger. It's a Rangers podcast. We're doing it. Nice job, Ryan. And um, yeah, so for you, for this to happen to you is, uh, has to be an, one of the all-time prospect moments of your, of your lifetime. Me and me alone. Nobody else. For sure. I... <laughs> I was watching the draft with our mutual friend, my roommate, mm-hmm. uh, Aaron. Mm-hmm. And I had told Aaron on Friday, again, not thinking that Kumar Rocker was going to be there at 10. I warned him that if he, Rocker was on the board at 10 and the Mets passed on him, that he would literally need to call the cops. Hey, yeah, you Something. know what? He's, you're not lying, which is the craziest <laughs> no, no, part. No. <laughs> like, a windows would have broken. I, was gonna, like, physically, I wasn't going to do anything to him. It right. was just... Like a realistic possibility that I actually would have done something. Like the mental I don't break know what would have been that there. Something was. Yeah. No, yeah. the windows would have broken. Every yeah, it would have been bad. Uh, I didn't start thinking of the possibility of it happening until Marcelo got to the Red Sox at four. Then I thought, wait a second, this might might happen. I do because Joe Joe goes. We're we're going so inside baseball, literally. We are. I apologize. Yes, I understand. I was going to say I do want to talk about this like extensively, but I would love to do it at the end. I'll save it for the end. I'll I'll save it for the end. Yeah, we'll do some actual shit for the next fifteen minutes. Because we'll talk to our good friends, and then I'll go back into. I would love to to break this down with you because I have a lot of thoughts and feelings, as I said. Um, how, how excited are you to get the assets that I'm throwing at you for one one? Uh, for, for what people are talking about is I still suck in my fantasy baseball league. So there you go. I might be drafting first overall. Um, no, in this case, as we've said before, uh, you said earlier that you can't believe some things would happen. Here's something that you should start believing that would happen. Every single person that was a beat writer or that covers the New York Rangers today talked about one particular individual and that is Pavel Buchnevich that came up from a report um I think he was what, number eight on the trade bait list that used to be on TSN yep. but now is now on some other website that I'm not crediting and I'm sorry because I don't know what it is um it's like it's like the daily puck or yeah something. daily face-off uh no uh, both those sounds correct I'm sorry I will I get one of them I will get this correct at, at some point and correct it at the end of the show um anyway so he was number eight and then there were sources saying that uh, hey listen Pavel Buchnevich's name is being talked about in trades and then Rick Carpinello, like an hour ago before this podcast, pretty much said, yeah, Drury's calling around and Powell keeps coming up nonstop. I can't tell if they're shopping him or people are just asking, but he's coming up. And I ask you, Greg, is this a surprise? No. Why? It, I think it was more of a surprise when the first iteration of this list, he wasn't on it. I agree. I totally agree. I, I think people have been asking us, and I mean, on the daily, I get... I get questions like, hey, who's your Eichel pay tr- uh, trade package? And I always say, have, like, Booch or Kraftstoff involved, no matter what. It's one or the other. They're always, it's Hito or Strom. One or the other are involved in these trades. And uh, for all of a sudden, like, listen, I want to keep Pavlovich-Nevich. Maybe uh, Chris Kreider's contract, like, the ability not to be able to move him at this point. And, again, you didn't know you were going to win the lottery with Lafreniere. So, you, of course, you, you signed Chris Kreider. Also, you didn't know about the pandemic. And Chris Carter is a great player, and he's been a great player for you, for your team for a long time. But because of that of that signing and some other signings you did, it's going to be hard to keep Pavel Buchnevich, even if he takes somewhat of a discount. So if you want to sell high, 
This is as high as you're going to get. He's 26 years old. He became a, an amazing PK player over the past year. Uh, as as Carpinello likes to point out, under David Quinn. I see that we're still salty. I get it. And uh, you're never going to get a, a higher value from this, from Pavlovich Nevich. Maybe he has one or two more years where he just continues to elevate. He's absolutely in his prime. He's a great player. We're going to have the Blue Shirt Banter Boys on later, and I'm sure Tom Ertz will defend Pavlovich Nevich to the high and ends of the earth, and he should. Because Pavel's great, and you should you should want to win with him. Uh, but if you're going to sell, now's the time. There's almost no better time. Yeah, and I, it, it's something. It's something the Rangers have made a point to talk about. It's something Larry Brooks has talked about. It's something even Carp has talked about. At some point, we talk all the time about how the Rangers need to do something to shake up that top six a little bit. And all of us have been focusing, rightfully, in my opinion, on Jack Eichel. And you and I will sit here and say, today, I think the Rangers can get Jack Eichel without having to trade Pavel Buchnevich. But if it costs the Rangers Pavel Buchnevich, I also trade Pavel Buchnevich for Jack Eichel. I'm not trading Buchnevich for futures. I don't think that serves any purpose. I, 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 don't, I don't see how that helps the New York Rangers, not just next year, but in the next two years, if they acquire more. Um, but... Just let, let, let's just look at this at like a math equation, right? Right. If the Rangers want to realistically shake up the top six, well, first things first, someone has to come out of that top six. We all agree that the sixth of six players in the top six, for the most part, is Ryan Strom. But if you're talking wingers, and if you're saying the Rangers need to add something on the wing, well, they're not getting rid of Panarin. Forget it. They're not getting rid of Lafreniere. Forget it. They would prefer not to get rid of Capocacco. Okay? So then... Well, there's only one guy left, Ryan. And at that point, I'm not saying Pavel Vucinevich Buc- Pavel was probably the most valuable Ranger forward last season. We've talked about how great he was all year long. Yes. I, I don't think that's an exaggeration. I don't think that's slander on any other player on the roster. I think bar none, considering from the start of the season to the end of the season, no Ranger was better or more consistent in the forward group than Pavel Vucinevich. That is 100% a compliment when we consider for the fact here that the Rangers employ a man named Artemi Panarin, that is no short compliment at the same time to your point of the tradable assets. The New York Rangers have, I, I understand everyone that's sitting here being like, well, I'd rather trade Chris Crutter. Yeah. So would we guys, but the, he signed an extension. He controls his own destiny. And we live in a flat cap world where it might not be that easy to move that salary with that much term left and that much money left. Cause I understand, listen, Duncan Keith got traded today. Oh without my money returned, God, which is, but at the same time, Ryan, like, how is that possible? He only, Greg? Had three, he only had $3 million in actual cash left on his deal. I saw, I know, but, but it's still, time, it's still like an insane. It's still yeah. It's still inexcusable. It is. Listen, if you're, I don't know the CBA, right? I'm assuming you can just eat cap hit without eating actual dollars. I guess the Rangers, I know the Rangers gave up a second round pick for the Detroit Red Wings to take Mark Stahl. They literally gave the like the Oilers gave away. The Oilers traded the better defenseman in that trade and a pick and they took on salary and a pick. They traded the pick. It is an inexcusable trade. It is bad shit. But anyway, we're talking about Powell. I'm sorry. That shit is, is so crazy. I, I there, is just, no league, there is no league run by dumber people than the National Hockey League. just had a moment where I, I was uh, baffled. I was like, how is this? What, what am I missing? Like, what are the 
what are the bribes you have? On, on how could you have bribes with the Blackhawks right now? It's not like you need it. It's crazy. What are you doing? Oh my god. Sorry. Yeah, it's dumb. It doesn't make any sense. I I would prefer not to trade Pavel Buchnevich. I think we we the the Fitz idiotism of the month is sixteen game player. And if Pavel Buchnevich isn't a sixteen game player, then I don't know if anyone on the Rangers is. Um, he's. He became such an important part of everything the Rangers do last year, and he's just so damn versatile that it's hard to envision a scenario in which the Rangers trade Buchnevich and are actively getting better at the same time. I know, and that's why I think the plan is to, or the plan was to have Kravstov be the trade bait, but then it's kind of hard to make the salaries work um, when it comes to keeping Mika, Eichel, and Buchnevich for the long term. Once you get to 2024, you have the ability to trade Chris Kreider because he has to uh, modify his no-movement clause to a certain amount of teams. Same thing with Jacob Truba. But I think Jacob Truba is here for the long haul, uh, not for not until 2024. I think he'll make his whole contract or close to it here. Can't wait to have that run in my face for sure. But I think they will in 2024 definitely explore the Chris Kreider stuff. And, and we said on this podcast a couple months ago, I think they were exploring Chris Kreider ways out this year. And I think that was with Drury and JD before Gorton. I mean, sorry, before that was with JD and Gorton before Drury took over. And now I think that has kind of died out a little bit because I think they were exploring something with Seattle and the possibility of having uh, Chris Kreider go there. But that is seemingly no longer on the table because I've heard nothing of it since the, uh, the firing of literally everybody. Well, I'll, I'll also say this. Um, we have to remember the important caveat when it comes to this Chris Jury regime so far. And that's we don't hear anything from Chris Jury. So my feeling, this is just a feeling, I can't verify this, is Pavel Buchnevich's name is coming up a lot on the trade market because there are just a lot of teams that want Pavel Buchnevich. We don't know if the Rangers are actively shopping him or if Drury is just straight up saying no when people call him. What we know is a lot of people want him, which is a good thing if you're the New York Rangers. That means you have bargaining leverage. I would be, I would, I'll be, I'll go as far to say I'll be angry if the Rangers trade Booch for futures, even if those futures are then used to get another player. Um, if Buchnevich is traded, it just, it has to be in a major blockbuster, a major blockbuster. So to me, it's, it's almost like Eichel or bust in a Buchnevich trade. Now, of course, some of this, some of this does have to do with the, you know, whatever Buchnevich wants on his next contract. We could be sitting here and Buchnevich could be playing hardball and being like, you guys got to pay me six and a half. You just got to do it. And the Rangers could take one look at that and be like, do we though in this market? I, I mean, I post, so the, many... post the question. And I'll ask Tom Ertz in a couple of minutes here, you know, eight, would you take the eight years, 5 million a year for Buchnevich? Yes. I'm up, man. Like that's, <laughs> that's yeah, good the, stuff. The problem is Bush also has to take that, right? Right. That's the problem. It, it's, yeah, not everybody's going to want to be Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who apparently just fucking loves Edmonton loves so much there. that he was willing to take the two or three extra years on his contract. Dude, if you're Connor yeah. McDavid and you see what happened today, you got to be like, what? <laughs> I, but, <laughs> what? You would think, Ryan, you would think, but we're talking about a league full of players who think Carey Price is the fucking shit. 
Carefax so at least was the shit this year. Smart. Like at least he was until he wasn't until he had like the worst Stanley Cup final this, ever. But, you, but you, Ryan, this is an opinion they've held of Carey Price for the last decade that he's the fucking man. Well, don't so he was the man, man. He won three times, but still, like it's it's not enough. Now he's thirty nine years old. What are we doing? Like that? No, no, no. But we're dealing. You're, you're you're missing the point here. We're dealing with a league full of players that almost value reputation more than anything else. Fair. Fair. So I don't think Connor McDavid takes a look at whatever Duncan Keith's ex-gar was or how well he played on zone entries and zone exits. I think all Connor McDavid hears is Duncan Keith, Chicago Blackhawks legend, coming to Edmonton. I bet you Connor McDavid's fucking excited because I think, Ryan, this is a very stupid league from top to bottom. I really do. I don't know any other league like this. I honestly, like, think of this from a baseball perspective, right? Say someone signed Todd Frazier tomorrow, a, a player with reputation. You think Taiwan Walker's coming out Jersey. and be like, man, that's fucking great. Tom River, Tom's River's own. Todd Frazier, we're going to win a fucking championship. Nobody's saying that. No, <laughs> but that's what they're going to say about Duncan Keith. Uh, he's going to have like two good games, and then we're never going to hear the end of it. That's it. Like, you think uh, he's going to have two good games? <laughs> you might take the under. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'll say he has two good games. There you go. But th- th- this is this is the problem. It's not. I don't. Whatever the players feel about Duncan Keith, it's not their fault if they like him as a player. If they think he's got a great reputation, blah blah blah. Front offices have to be smart, and they have to understand that if you really want Duncan Keith, that's great and good. You're bidding against nobody. The Blackhawks are desperate to move him. You have them bent over a barrel. How do you not be like, we'll take Keith. We'll pay him the three million over the next two years. But you're eating half of his fake money in this trade, and you're taking half of that cap hit. We'll make him a $3 million player for us every year, and you're going to eat 2.5, and there's your deal. They were like, no, you, you know, give us a draft pick. <laughs> and a better defenseman. Yeah. Who, by the way, is Seth Jones' brother, the guy we actually want. Also, it's wild that the Blackhawks moved Keith, brought in Caleb, and are going to trade for Seth, and the best of those three defensemen is still Caleb. Like it's what a stupid league we talked about on the regular ride. Crazy, incredible, crazy. Um, we'll get. Well, to, Ryan, I got. I got it. Let me oh, add this one more point. Go for it. Kumar Rocker is a New York man. That's true. I didn't think about it like that. I don't know how fast. If you were a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, are you buying the shirt that says eighteen million over the cap? And by the way, I had I had people text it to me the picture of the people yep. uh, of Kucherov in there. I had a, got an email from it. Like got, the picture like got sent to me by Carrier Pigeon. If you sent me the picture today or this weekend, I promise I got it. There was just 27,000 of you, and yeah. I, I get it. And again, I, I feel like people think it's sour grapes when I say this. First of all, Eddie Guerrero was one of my favorite wrestlers growing up, and he lied, and he cheated, and he, and he stole, and he, and he wore it. He knew what he was doing. He didn't deny it. <laughs> Eddie he did Guerrero, what he man. had to do to win, <laughs> yeah, and I true. fucking I respect that. I respect Kucherov rock, rocking that shirt. It doesn't change the narrative. They still fucking cheated. But at least they're owning it. That's funny. The, the league needs a villain, right? Right now, the villain of the league is just general manager stupidity and Gary. You Beck. know what's funny is like I don't even think he's a villain. I think people have just embraced him now. It sucks. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not a he's villain. The heel, he's the heel wrestler you want to root for, but no, you shouldn't. It's like when Stone Cold goes bad and you're kind of like, hmm, I'm still going to root it's for just, him. No, it's just Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> I, like Eddie Guerrero is the perfect example. That's what it is. Fair. All right, let's get to our, our good, dear friends, the Blue Shirt Banter Boys. We're going to go to a quick break and come right back to them. So let's tran 
transition. Hey, we're back with our wonderful guests, good friends of the show. Uh, they, are, they are the Blue Shirt Bantering Boys of Bantering the Blue Shirts, Tom Ritz and uh, Mike Murphy. How are you, gentlemen? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. And I can only assume I'm doing better than you because the rumors today, uh, you are the champion of Pavlovich Nevich, the leader of the Pavlovich Nevich fan club. You literally made the t-shirts. <laughs> Uh, there, the rumor today has been, hey, Pavel Bushnevich, name that's coming up a lot on the trade blocks. Last time you were on this podcast, uh, you had an impassioned, I believe, like six-minute rant about keeping Pavel Bushnevich. Happened to agree with you, and a lot of it turned out to be correct. Uh, how are you feeling today, sir? Um, I mean, like, I understand that it's something that was going to be talked about at some point. I was just kind of wondering when that time would be, if it were after a trade or before a trade. Um, so like in my mind, I've been saying to myself, like, okay, let's see how long we get into the summer, but I just hope whatever they decide, you know, whether it's keeping him or trading him, they're doing it for the right reasons and not this, um, salary cap, you know, bingo of, Hey, we've paid X players. Hey, we have to pay other players. Um, you know, whether it's, like Mika Zibanejad, who, like, that's a name that just keeps coming up of what are the Rangers going to do? And, hey, we have kids who can maybe, like, fill this spot. So um, I'm keeping an open mind for now, but I just hope that they don't think that, you know, he's going to be an easy replace if, in fact, they do trade him. Yeah, Tom, I we talked about it a little bit before the podcast started. Uh, let me... Let me see if I have it right with you and in my head. You would trade Pavel Buchnevich for Jack Eichel. You would not trade Pavel Buchnevich for, say, Sam Reinhardt. Right. And, like, it's a kind of a weird thing because I don't even know how much Pavel Buchnevich moves the needle for Buffalo because he's very much in the same spot that the Rangers were in with Kevin Hayes where RFA – one contract year away from unrestricted free agency. And in the case of Buchnevich, like if he ends up in Buffalo, that's, that's a one year stop. Like, and then he's immediately, you know, declaring free agency um, next July and he's signing elsewhere. So if you're Buffalo, you think to myself, yeah, okay, we're going to have him around for a year or even less. Maybe we use him as a, a trade piece to a contender. So sort of, um, like, uh, you know, teams have done, oh, we're going to acquire this player and then flip them for another thing. Like the, I think it was uh, the Sharks with um, Mike Hoffman. Um, but yeah, like he, he's very tradable in, in the right deal, but I, I just haven't seen one out there yet that moves the needle enough where it's not like, okay, let's keep him for now and then say, you know what, with Kako and Buchnevich as your one-two in some combination, it allows us to have a conversation of a Vitaly Kravtsov, who, while has a lot of upside, you want to learn more, does he displace either of those two in any capacity over the next five years? Yeah, I have a hard time. Uh, you know, listen, prospects are prospects. Vitaly Kravtsov, he can do a lot. I think he's, he's a very promising young talent, talented player, but Bucinevich is the proven asset right now which brings me to my kind of my next question is what would you feel comfortable extending Pavel Buchnevich for right now knowing the future cap situation of having to pay 
not only Adam Fox, but Capocacco, Lafreniere, etc., while also having Truba and Kreider on the books for the next uh, many, many, many years of your, of your life. So I think the fact that the salary cap is going to be flat, we've seen situations where, although it's not really comparable because it was an eight-year deal and he was a center and he was a number one overall pick, you know, drafted by the organization, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins decided to stay. And it was a matter of fact of him saying, all right, I want this amount of money and we're going to split it you know, over this amount of years to, to make it work. I think at the absolute high end that Buchnevich could get would be just under or at what Kreider is making. But given what we know of everything going on, I don't think it's going to cost that much. And it may be like a controversial position to have, but I feel that if extending Pavel Buchnevich um, puts them in a situation where they may not be able to extend Zibanejad. You make that move just because when you're looking at the overall construction of, of this this roster, it's who who's the best fit in all areas of it. And while also keeping in mind that the team has sort of been looking to upgrade it at center for a long time, and anyone they get is going to to knock him down to a, a number two center spot. And in your head. You know, even if you're being conservative with with Zibanejad and, and what he would cost, are you comfortable on a low end having you know seven and a half million on a high end closer to nine as a second line center? I don't I don't think that works. Um, I think if it's Eichel, he's obviously your clear number one. If it's someone else out there that we haven't heard about yet, that's another thing. But it then gives them the flexibility. And like I've used this joke before where like the Rangers right now is constructed they're kind of like a donut you have a lot on the edges in terms of wings but not a lot during down the middle so really it becomes a thing of you just need someone who's competent and able to distribute the puck um, so I, I think like a long long way of saying it Zibanejad is obviously someone who, who's going to get paid regardless whether it's the team or the Rangers um, I think that Buchnevich is in a spot where, yeah, he can go to market and, and get paid. But if you're the Rangers, it's not like it's this wide gulf to sort of hammer out a deal. And I, I think he wants to stay. Obviously, you know, he's close with Artemi Panarin. He's close with Igor Shosturkin. And um, I, I know, like, Carp had an article saying, like, it really doesn't matter, like, you know, friendships and marketability. But, like, I think that is something that, would be considered michael i'd love to get your your take on this situation i just i love new york rangers twitter and and beat writers with uh you know rangers might be thinking about tarasenko they don't have enough money for buchnevich and we're gonna find room for 10 million for jack eichel um there's nothing wrong with pavel buchnevich she deserves to get paid He's really good. I'm not sure the guys we have here can develop into the sort of player he's become. Um, like when I, I really think Vitaly Krasov's really fun and exciting. Uh, move him to get a center. Don't move Buchnevich if you don't have to. Um, think long and hard about that Chris Kreider contract right now because you're looking at what we're being forced to consider with Buchnevich because of the contract we gave Chris Kreider, which is really. At the time it happened, I was like, oh, I don't know about terms there. 
And sure enough, I mean, obviously it aged incredibly poorly, uh, given what happened in the world. But, like, it would be a real shame if Bucinovich becomes a casualty of that, especially because, you know, for large swaths of the season, he was the Rangers' best forward. He's a guy who looks good playing with different players. He's a guy who can now kill penalties. He's the right age to give him the contract where he gets paid. He earned it. This is the guy we developed. Um, you know, this shouldn't be a point in his favor, but it's one of the very few things that David Quinn did right is make Pavel Kuchinevich a better hockey player. It would be a real shame if uh, the Rangers just tossed the hat in on him. And the question that is keeps like nagging me is what you're talking about him being kind of this a casualty of, of the roster spots and the cap here. What do you hope to get for Buchnevich? Like if, like Tom said, if it, if he's the centerpiece and like it's just essentially very direct for a Jack Eichel kind of a deal, sure, because that addresses the Rangers' biggest need, and it is what it is. But if it's for a center where you're just kind of settling for like a guy who you wouldn't consider a first line center, I don't do it. <laughs> it's you can you can move other things around. I think. Like, I would rather look into more, like, yeah, I would rather long-term make a trade to get Eichel and keep Uchnevich than think about what the Benajab would cost. Although all these things are made more and more fascinating by, you know, Eichel's health and who the hell knows. But I don't, I don't like any scenario where the Rangers part with Uchnevich right now just because he's become exactly what all the optimists thought he would become. And I think he's been better than that, Mike. Yeah, and in many ways, I think in terms of his complete game, I think he has exceeded even those expectations, just in terms of what he does away from the puck, just in terms of his ability to create chances to make his line mates look good. Like, his ability to make these pretty passes. Like, if you had guys who could finish around him, because, you know, the Rangers have the Benajad, but beyond that, they don't have, like, pure finishers. They have a lot of creators. And in many ways, that might make you overlook what Buchnevich's skill set is because he's in the same lineup as Artemi Panarin, but he's a really exceptional wing. <laughs> it would be awful to move on from him just because you feel like this is a game of musical chairs and you want to save. I don't like the argument of you want room for Krasov and Capocacco, and that's a driving force to trading Buch. I don't think that's nearly enough encourage Drury to push him out of town. Even if he's trying to say, like, oh, boy, we're really strapped here for what sort of the, what the contract looks like. Look at the contracts that are going out right now. Look at the contracts that are being signed. Players are aware of the market. They know that they have to take less. I think you can find a way to make a deal work, one that you could live with. It just everything is a little more painful than it needs to be because of some of the other contracts in the book, so. Do you guys think part of this conversation is just being driven by the fact that I understand the stand of the cup just ended, but the Ranger season has now been over for a solid two months. And some people are just getting a little stir crazy that nothing has happened. We haven't even gotten the Tony D'Angelo buyout as inevitable as it is. We all understand why it's not going to happen until after the expansion draft. Do we think some people are just getting a little restless? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, it was delightful and maddening seeing every Rangers fan on Twitter losing their mind about all the, you know, all the the celebrations of how great Carey Price is. And in the back of my head, I was like, you know, I'm not necessarily rooting for Tampa, 
But I don't really want Carey Price to win the Cup because that's all anyone will ever talk about is how we had the Cup over Hank. Like, Rangers fans need something to lose their minds about. Right now, this is just the perfect thing to happen because looking at, you know, what are we talking about? Oh, Brett Howden got an extension or he got re-signed. Ah, everyone go crazy. But, guys, it's, you just have to do this. He has to be, we're still going to expose him. Okay. Okay. And then, oh, now, uh, Pavel Buchnevich. Apparently, Chris Dury is saying Pavel Buchnevich's his name. That's all we've heard is that he is saying his name. We don't know if it's in link to the fact that he needs an extension, which, by the way, he does. So maybe those things are probably connected, or maybe he's getting moved on. And I know, you know, I know what Butch's agent said and all those things, but he's going to say whatever he has to say to make his client look like he's in a position to get paid. Butch and his agent know what he's worth right now. It's obvious. He's the best right winger on the team. So he should get paid. And he's become the player the Rangers wanted him to be in then some, as Ryan pointed out. I don't think they'll end People, up offering him a big deal, though, to be honest with you, Michael. Well, that's, the thing that's so tough is you think of – I looking at this Rangers lineup, it's really fun because you think about timelines and how you have to fit in all these freaking guys, right? Like all these guys, like what are we paying Adam Fox when we get there? I'm terrified to think of that number. He'll I mean, be worth they're they're at his door with pizza me. right now, Mike. Like they're yeah. like 8x8 <laughs> yeah. tonight? Really? You sure? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but like that's what you have to think about. And so that's why like, I bring up the point about the Kreider deal and everything else is like you have to be really mindful of those things. I do think you can find a deal where you keep Bucinovich around, but I understand the practicality of he might be this unfortunate casualty of a couple of late bad decisions made in the Gordon tenure. And that would really, really suck because he's one hell of a player. And really we'd be lucky if, you know, especially Kravstov, but you got to hope Kako becomes at least on the level of what the championship is now. I think he gets there as you probably likely knew about me. Uh, in, I guess it brings us, I kind of want to answer the question you had before, like what would you trade Buchnevich for? And I, I, I don't think the answer is anything but Eichel right now. And uh, Greg and I have said this a lot, and Greg was the first to say this. Uh, I, I'll give him full credit. The first to say it on Twitter, if you trade for first uh, for future picks, it's just a bad idea. It truly is. Like Your goal, and directed by the, your owner of your team, James Dolan, is to win and get to the playoffs. And if you don't have Pavel Buchnevich yeah. and you're not replacing it, uh, that talent, well, that's a problem. Like the team is, the team's talented. The rain, there's no doubt about it. But they're the best right winger on the team, the most experienced, the most proven, is Bushnevich, and it's not close. Yeah, and like, you know, in this hypothetical, and I wonder too because it feels like, or at least I would have hoped we would know more about um, Jack Eichel and, and his health by now, because that's obviously a huge part of it, and. It would be a very Rangers thing in the sense of how, obviously, we had all the news when Gorton and JD were, you know, let go. And there were the rumors of it was because of the rebuild wasn't moving fast enough and, you know, turning the corner for the playoffs. And then Drury is sort of like downplays, oh, there's no mandate of playoffs. There's no, you know, there's no expectations or whatever. We're just looking to continually improve. And if you took one of your better contributors, whether it be, you know, offensively and defensively 
and you're trading him for someone who's not going to be on your roster next year, um, that puts them in a bit of a predicament also because if he's not going to be playing a significant part of next season, that then gives Zibanejad even more leverage. Like, hey, I was once again the number one center. Uh, I know you traded for Eichel, but he was hurt. So that creates another another can of worms, which to me is where I understand that, you know, the Rangers are going to do their due diligence. If they see an opportunity to add a talent like Eichel at a little less than they otherwise normal would, they're going to, you know, pursue it. But it just seems like there's a lot of balls that are being juggled that I'm trying to see how they actually land this and, and how they are, going to try and be competitive next year trade assets from this team for someone that may not play a significant part of next season which then gives leverage to talent on the roster who is playing that does need new contracts and then what happens if you know it gets to the point where Zibanejad rightfully asks for for more money you lose him and then you have a Jack Eichel who is not a Jack Eichel anymore. And this is all while, you know, you're trying to enter your window and you've, you know, burned some, some capital to get to that point where it's, I just don't see it as much as a um, reality as, as I otherwise might've a couple of you know months ago. Yeah. I, 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 I think one of the most common things that I'm surprised to hear about every day on Twitter, and I guess nothing on Twitter should really surprise me, but you know what? I'm dumb. And it surprises me every day. The amount of people that always tell me that, oh, there's no mandate for the Rangers to make the playoffs this year. It's, it, it's not the end of the world if the Rangers don't make the playoffs next year. And the four of us can sit here and say, that's fine. That's good. We understand. It's a young mm-hmm. roster. It's still getting better, blah, blah, blah. We, we, we get all those things. If there's one thing I know for sure in all my time of being a Ranger fan, a Nick fan, and just involved in New York sports, is that James Dolan is a shitty fucking liar. Can't mm-hmm. do it. We all know how to call him out. But this time, James Dolan's not even trying to hide the fact. He came out and told Brooks, he's like, we weren't good enough this year. Now, we can all agree that that opinion of that team in a pandemic, Mm -hmm. it's a ridiculous opinion to have. But he's still the guy signing the checks. And if it wasn't good enough for him, where he fired a club legend and a guy who, for the most part, had a pretty high Q rating, not just with the uh, the Rangers, but in the NHL. He fired both those guys. I don't care how often Chris Jory says, oh, no, there's no mandate. The only reason Chris Jory has a job is because there's a mandate. And if you're going to tell me that Pavel Buchnevich trading him for a a future first and a future second is somehow going to make the Rangers more likely to make the playoffs in year three of a seven-year deal for Artemi Panarin, you're nuts. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, you're not moving in the direction that the team owner wants to move in. It's just not going to happen. Whether you think the – whether it doesn't I, – I, I feel like people get confused sometimes. I'm not sit here, sitting here saying the New York Rangers will be a playoff team next year. I'm not convinced. I don't think anyone here is convinced. Nope. I'm saying James Dolan wants them to be one. And that's the only opinion that matters. Mine doesn't matter. Ryan's absolutely doesn't matter. Facts. Mike's, <laughs> ma- Mike's matters, though. I'll say that. Tom's I'm 50-50 on. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But our opinions – are meaningless. James Dolan wants to make the playoffs. And if you're Chris Drury and your owner wants to make the playoffs and you tell him the best way for me to make the playoffs is to get a more first round picks for arguably one of my best forwards,
because I might not be able to pay him what he wants in a year in which you have about $20 million in cap space? Give me a fucking break. It's that simple. Yeah. I, I mean, like, not to go into a completely different direction, um, but Please. I feel that, like, like if the, if the concept is, okay, we have players on the roster that are, are being blocked, like, I think that's more of a reason to – you know, if you're trading someone, you you explore a trade of Ryan Strom so that Filipino has all of the runway that he needs because he's a very important piece that the Rangers need to make a decision on soon because you don't want to be in a situation where, okay, we now have our, our, our center set and here's a guy who's lost some shine and, you know, are we going to have him be, you know, just an average third line center, or are we going to try and, you know, move him, you know, a year from now where his stock is a little bit diminished, whereas Strom is like, okay, you know, he's had now another good season on top of another good season, relatively speaking to, you know, what everyone thought and the criticism of him just being a product of the Artemi Panarin, although obviously we do have some numbers to, to say that was the case, but NHL GMs are fucking stupid and they just see, you know, shiny point totals. Um, that I, I think would make sense because then at least theoretically you are trying something that a, it's a, a, a player that has talent um, when he can stay healthy, not that it's, you know, entirely his fault, but that's giving you something to look towards, towards your future and something that can help the team be better in, in the interim while, you know, Ryan Strom's not going to be around after a year because either he'll have another great season and he'll want bank, which at that point he'll get on the free free agent market, or um, he will not be good and therefore the Rangers will have no reason to resign him. So just trade him while the you know the getting is good. I think we've covered everything we could about Pavlovich Nevich, and I, I wish him the best in all of his memes and his lifestyle. He lives with his dog in wonderful art gallery museums, but I do want to talk a little bit about. The expansion draft, which I believe the lists are due this Saturday. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on who you think will be exposed for this team. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but Brett Howden signed a one-year extension. Everyone was up in flames. But it turns out it could be a good thing. I believe it'll be uh, Howden, Gauthier, and Rooney will be exposed to be selected. And I'm wondering if you gentlemen, starting with you, Tom, have a different opinion. Yeah, I feel like with the expansion draft, it's from everything like, you know, the mock lists and everything, it seems like it's coming down to a choice of likely to be taken, whether it's, you know, Gautier or Kevin Rooney. Um, And the only thing I would say is that I feel like, you know, Ron Francis was in Carolina when Gautier was drafted. Um, Gautier really didn't get, much of a, a look in, in Carolina and he was traded. Obviously Francis was gone by then, but um, I don't, I don't know if he's the surefire pick as everyone thinks. And I, I think that Rooney's a guy that they will probably lose just by the mere fact of a team like Seattle is going to try and build things, you know, from an analytical perspective and they're going to have a ton of assets. They're going to have a ton of cap space to get the, you know, premier talent for, you know, the top of their lineup and on defense. And I think if you can get someone like Kevin Rooney, who's going to be very cheap and not count against your cap to give you more flexibility, you know, in your fourth line um, on the PK, it's just, 
a really simple decision to make. Whereas you take a guy like Gauthier, like obviously there is, you know, some upside there, but you're taking someone that maybe is not going to be a roster regular and it's just, you know, taking something that's an asset for use maybe later. Whereas Rooney is established and he's cheap and he fills a pretty basic need. So I, I think Rooney's going to be the guy that they lose. Um, now, if, if they were to take someone like Howden or Hayek, that would be hilarious. But uh, I think Seattle's too smart for that. Michael? I mean, it's, it's fun to think about how fun Blackwell's season was. But I think you have to hope that NHL GMs look at Colin Blackwell's season and say, that was really wonderful for him, and it'll never happen again. Um, at least you'd hope so for the, the way these guys get paid. Uh, I think Rooney makes a lot of sense. What um, really I'd love, the thing I'm waiting for is to see what we learn about jury based on who gets exposed, you know, because I think there's the, the script we all expect, and then there's, you know, different options. And I would think Carp even said, yeah, in a less likely thing, maybe Ethan Cade gets exposed. And, you know, I don't think anyone thinks that's going to happen. Um, you know, for all the times, all the points that Tom made about like Rooney, it makes a lot of sense. You know, like I just wrote my report card on Rooney for banter and like looking at his scene is like, yeah, he did exactly what we brought him in to do. He's affordable. He's utterly expendable, but he's a, a very good serviceable fourth line option. You know, he, he, the only thing that you could really take away from him in terms of what his role is, is that he's not very good at faceoffs, which you know, NHL GMs might like to see for, you know, your fourth line center who kills penalties kind of a guy, but, you know, he is what he is. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, the Kraken are going to want to take guys that are just, they know what they're getting. They're getting a guy who knows what he's doing. He can fill that role. You don't have to put someone there who's going to be a shit show. And I think that's what Rooney represents. That might be attractive. Goaching is a really fun thing just because I think France is drafting, like Tom was saying. So there's that connection there. Gochi has all those, like, oh, he's big, he's fast. Um, but given what we've seen with, like, in the Rangers, like, it's pretty clear he doesn't really know how to succeed in a checking line or fourth line role. And then it's a question of, like, who, who would he play with? Or is this just, like, you know, would Seattle want a guy with his size and his speed? You know, I can see them being tempted by that. But, you know, the fun thing about like, I don't know if you've ever had the time to just poke around and, like, do the, the draft simulator on Cap Friendly. But it's fun, like, when you're trying to build a team, you're like, oh, I kind of already have a guy who does that. A lot of it, I think, is, is going to be based on what else is out there. Because the Rangers are one of those teams where, like, I remember, like, looking at who the Devils will expose, and you're just like, I don't want any of these players. <laughs> you just, there's nothing, like, Where's the there's pass a couple button? teams that are like this. Yeah, like, can I... Can I punt here? Um, you know, can I can I not do it? But like looking at the Rangers, there's there's a couple guys who are intriguing, but no one who's like, oh, it's obvious, right? So I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see who it'll be. Um, more curious to see who's actually exposed, even though I think they'll stick to the scripts. Greg, do either of you guys think that there's more pressure on Seattle this time around, specifically because of the Vegas success? I think there might be more, but I think it's really unfair because if the GMs who still have their jobs didn't learn that lesson, 
that you cannot bend over backwards to protect your guys. Like Vegas got such an advantage out of things. And like they encouragingly now for the Rangers, considering who their head coach is, they had the right coach. They had the right thing in place. You know, they were able to, to bring in some really, really good players that, you know, found a way to flourish in new roles. But I don't think we're going to see nearly as many trades, um, especially for, like, picks and, and things. And, like, here, we'll give you this so you don't do this kind of a trade. Even though it's you would think there might be some of that noise just because of the realities of the flat cap. But I don't know. I feel like teams should have learned their lesson. But I feel like everyone is kind of forgetting that and expecting, you know, the stakes to be high here for Seattle to be really good. But given <laughs> given who they hired as their coach and stuff, I don't think they're going to be a big success right out of the gate. Mike, I want to quickly follow up on what, something you said there. And this is kind of my next question, but you kind of touched on it a little bit, so I want to hit it up now. Do you think the Rangers make a trade for a defenseman this, this week before the trade deadline, uh, which is going to be the July 17th date where – the trade freeze, rather, not deadline, where you can only trade with Seattle at that point. Do you think the Rangers can obtain a defenseman that is going to be taken by Seattle for a lower cost? Because Libra Hayek is the, is the spot right now that they would have to protect with or Potato with their last uh, defenseman spot. And I don't feel like that's really a lot of value for the New York Rangers. No. It... That is really fascinating, especially when you think of like how everything falls into place with what this blue line looked at at the start of last season to where we are now. Yep. Heading into expansion. Like when you think of like D'Angelo and everything else and like how this is all spiraled down to this situation, I feel like that is a, a window that has to be open right now. It's finding a way to make that work. Um, especially because like really if you look at what the Rangers have, like, you know, Tom said like they're kind of a donut, but the Rangers also have a couple guys where they can just move a couple of these these kind of interchangeable Blackwells and, you know, people like this, a couple of guys who, you know, had a cup of coffee that are with Hartford now. Like, there's, there's things they can do to move around and it won't really hurt the core of the team. And something else I was thinking about, not to go back to the Buchnevich thing, is when you look at the Rangers lineup and you consider how much potential is in certain areas of the team, it's, we have a good idea of what this team can be when it's a competitor, it's just missing maybe a little thing here and there. It's just a question of where everything falls. So, yeah, I wouldn't rule that out. Tom? I wish they had the creativity and foresight to make a, <laughs> make a deal, even if, even if it's just, you know, renting someone. Like, you know what? We will hold on to such and such for a month. And then we will send them back to you for the low price. Pay, yeah, we'll just pay a salary. Round pick. Yeah. Like, we'll pay a salary for you. I've had a couple of like, people you, tell me to do that with the Edmonton Oilers, but then I saw what the Edmonton Oilers did today, and uh, I don't think they're, you know, oh, just doesn't, doesn't really work out. Don't know how they. Cheer it, up, Rangers fan. It, it's never going to be as bad as, as it is in some places. That's all we'll say. Yeah, Ottawa and Edmonton had a hell of a day. We had, I don't know how we've got f- 45 minutes into this podcast or whatever it is amount of time. We haven't mentioned that Pierre Maguire is part of the Ottawa Senators now. And I don't – like, hey, if you're out there thinking to yourself, like, I don't know if I'm experienced enough for that job. Should I apply? Like, it's time. <laughs> like, Wings send it. Dude. Wings of the fences because I'll tell you something. 
apparently, especially in the hockey world, you fail upwards and laterally. You never go down. Uh, you get 19 chances, regardless of what horrible things you may or may not have done or may or may not have said. The incompetence is rewarded with different opportunities. That is the overwhelming message of the National Hockey League, especially for people wearing suits. Um, apply for that job. That's your dream job. Hey, go you on, never goddamn know. Maybe go you're Pierre McGuire. Yeah, but here's, here's, here's the problem, guys. You forgot that there are only 43 people for 32 jobs. And Pierre Maguire is one of those forty-three people, so we just—we're never going to get the room. We're just going to—that—that guy from TSN who was like, "Yeah, but can you doubt a guy with thirty years' experience?" I mean, I can if he's literally showing me his ass every I'm just, fucking day. I'm just going <laughs> to dial ESPN right now. Hey, it's Ryan. Um, yeah, I'm still looking for that reporter job. Yeah, I'm an insider. Have you, oh, they hung up. That's weird. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Oh. That's rude. Yeah, very rude. Um, yeah, God bless Ottawa and God bless Edmonton. Uh, it's not going to be like that for us. I do wish the Rangers would get creative and maybe, you know, the name Vince Dunn was was popped around for a long time for the Rangers. I don't know if they're still interested in that and or if, or if that's even a good fit for them. But I do feel like they have the value spot. They should take advantage of it uh, if they can. And uh, they'll have a couple more days here, including they have just tomorrow, the day this came out, uh, this podcast came out to ask Chris Kreider to waive his no movement clause. And I think that will go like this. No. So, got that no. done. Yep. Yeah. Which is, like, I love Chris Kreider, but this contract may very well make me hate Chris Kreider. And that, my friends, is a shame. It's a total shame. Is, like, when you think of who Chris Kreider is as a person, and, you know, he's our homegrown little little boy. He bulldozes goalies, but we love him, and we defend him, and he speaks Russian, and he's smart, and he's savvy. He could jump out of a pool. Look at all the things our boy does. And you get you good money because, hey, he needs money, don't we all? Mm-hmm. And maybe now too many monies for too long for monies. And it's sad. It is sad. Uh, this, the expansion draft is this week. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about. Uh, it, not, not this oh, week. Oh, sorry. The protection list are due this week on the Saturday. My apologies. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, Michael, they hired your uncle to be an assistant coach. Do you have any thoughts for him? Have you texted to congratulate him? Oh, yeah. The, the Murphy clan. We're all over the goddamn place. Um, you know, I don't. There's a decent chance I'm distant cousins with Ford Murphy. I, the, the thing is, I just don't care to know because there's too goddamn many of us. <laughs> Uh, Michael Murphy is the Irish version of John Smith, or, like, or Jane Doe. It just, it's, what's your name? Um, my name might as well be like Potato O'Flannery. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, it, it makes sense just because of the overlap he had with Gallant, uh, way back with CBJ and then. You know, obviously, I think we all see Chris Drury's fingerprints all over this one. Yep. Um, just because he's overseeing Hartford and things were definitely trending in a positive direction in Hartford, even though it's next to impossible to say that, like, with any evidence based on last season because they played two different teams. They beat the hell out of those so, teams, Michael. Those two they teams, beat, they, they beat really the gave those two teams them. What for, though, friends? They really gave those teams, and Morgan Barron was a beast. Yeah, I'm wearing an iron look great, but uh, yeah, um, it's funny because you know, like we look, you want to find evidence to point to like takes like that, and you're like, well, here's an asterisk for you, but yeah, um, like I have no no issues with 
either of these hires, and Gord Murphy makes sense. I like the idea of promoting up the chain. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do to fill in that spot behind the bench, because I doubt they just have just a one bench coach in Knobloch and Hartford. Um, and, you know, it's, it's also interesting because this comes not too shortly after they kind of restructured their entire, like, organizational goaltending coaching, which also had a direct impact on how things will go in Hartford. Um, obviously, you know, they just told Benoit there that they, you see everything, everything you see, please make it better. Everything the light touches, please make better goalies. So, um, but yeah, it's, it makes sense. Um, I have nothing against Gordon Murphy as far as I know. I don't want to have anything against Gordon Murphy. It's nice when there are other Murphys in the world who are good people. Yeah. I think both hires were, uh, ex- almost expected at this point. And, well, I, yeah, I mean, we had, we had both of them. Yeah, we had both George Richards, who was the Panthers beat writer, and Jesse Granger, the Vegas beat writer on this podcast. And I think both of them just looked at us and said, listen, Mike Kelly's one of your assistant coaches. It doesn't even have to be announced. He's yeah. just going to show up. They're buds, yeah. What's interesting to me is Kelly, I think in Vegas he was he was the PK, and then in Florida he was the power play. So I'm kind of curious what he ends up doing. Just I know from – Shane and I doing behind the benches, trying to dig up all these things, losing our minds, trying to understand what coaching roles look like and how they change. You would think that guys have kind of specializations, but that apparently isn't the case with Kelly. Well, I'd actually love to know what he did in Canada uh, for the Worlds. But um, again, he had the connection there with the lot in the, the world. He just won the gold medal. So. Well, I, I will say Gord was the defensive scheme coach in Hartford, and yeah. he was the guy who came up – yeah, and he was the guy who came up when Ruff was hired by the Devils and became Ruff for the bubble series against the Hurricanes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So maybe another swing of the, you know, the power play slash forwards. Normally that kind of groups together in terms of coaching responsibility. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's what Kelly has under his purview. But it'll be like, you know, and then they have to find, the, you know, their, their eye in the sky coach. Cause some, like at the Rangers last time went for, you know, experience in that role. I don't know if they're going to do something different. So would it be I just, nice? Wouldn't it be nice thinking outside the box, the Rangers, with a coaching hire? Mm, That's what I'd like. I, I don't know. Someone who isn't 55 years old and has had similar jobs around the league 15 times. That would be fun. And then, of so course, just, people will yell, is they, are they qualified? And I'll yell back, are any of these people qualified? Nobody is. Tom? Yeah, so I just looked it up, and the Click King has it that Kelly's going to be the eye in the sky, and the third assistant they're looking to hire will be for the forwards and uh, the power play. So that'll be interesting because, like, I know at one point out there, there was, like, you know, thoughts that maybe Dan Girardi would be someone the Rangers would hire as assistant coach. But there was some reporting done by some websites that cover, and we all went, hmm, yes. Yeah, I don't think they're going to hire him to be uh, for the forwards and the power play. I don't think that's... Um, that's, uh, a, that's a negative attitude, and I don't like it from you. Well, James Harden can do goddamn anything. Have you listen, seen his chin? I, Have you seen his eyes? I will. I, will well, I, I made a joke with Shana today that if Girardi was the eye in the sky, no one would be able to focus. They'd all just be looking up the entire night. But all I'm saying... Make my knees weak. All I'm saying is the Rangers all of a sudden now have a defensive coaching opening in Hartford, and they're treating Hartford as much of a coaching development breeding ground as they are yeah. their young players. Who would look great next to Chris Knobloch on the Hartford bench? All I'm saying, I'm just saying. 
Dan Girardi could do, probably do better because anybody will hire him when he just says, I'm Dan Girardi. They go, hmm, interesting. You're hired. Um, I, I am curious as to see who uh, the offensive coach is, but I guess, well, that's that's for next Monday because that's well, all that happens is Monday Monday news, and that's it. Thank you, boys, for joining us. Really appreciate you both for uh, coming on. Any final closing thoughts, Tom, or you just want to say goodbye to Pavel Buscemi before he gets traded this week? Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. No, I, I mean, thanks for having us on. Mm-hmm. You know, if – you know, follow us on Twitter at Tom Merch Jr. and at, at Boucher Banner. You know, that that's cool. And uh, hope everyone has a, a good summer. Just a nice Tom, don't, blog, boys, Tom, you know. Tom, don't forget, uh, I, I, you got a smooch coming your way now. I told you I was going to smooch you, and I'm going to smooch you. Wow. That's, that's right. Is, is, <laughs> Tom, you're consenting? That's good. Okay, Michael? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. You know, we, Tom and I are currently taking a break from our own podcast, but, you know, I think – Tom agrees with me. It's always a pleasure to be on the Best Rangers podcast. Oh, wow. Thank you. Uh, You guys are fantastic. We love you guys. And uh, we hope nothing but the best for you and the pod and this offseason. And I hope we all don't lose our collective minds because it's really nice when we have all these nice young players. And you got to hope things are going in the right direction. And you really hope that another bird doesn't come along and smash all these eggs. Uh, for sure. That's what I'm worried about. Sometimes I look at Jack Eichel, he looks a bit like a bird. And I worry. He does look like a bird. Got a birdish look. Now, I'm gonna have to smooch Mike too. But I like Tom, I promised to smooch him if the Mets took Rocker. Mike, I'm just gonna smooch because he's a beautiful person. That's it. All the smoochings. Consent consent smooching, everyone. Uh this has been Banter the Blue Shirts. We'll be right back with our final segment where we talk about Kuma Rocker for another ten minutes. Transition. Hey, that was a good full Ranger interview where we talked exclusively about the Rangers. That was nice, right? I didn't say Kumar's name once, Ryan. I did say it once at the end. Uh, if you were here for the Rangers, that's it. Uh, a lot of nonsense and a lot of other sports we're going to be talking right now. Greg and I have to talk some baseball, some Kumar Rocker, some baseball prospects. I'm going to talk about Euro 2020. That's right. So if you want, Oh, my God. I, know. I forgot that we haven't talked about <laughs> yeah, that Yeah, we got to talk about it. Uh, so uh, if you want to follow me at Twitter, you can follow me at O'Ryan. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back next week. We love you. All right, we're, now we're still here. And thanks to all our Patreon subscribers who I will thank at the end of the show. Seriously, it's been phenomenal. Once some things start kicking up again, we'll do a Q&A. We did a full breakdown of the Ryan McDonough trade, 35 minutes or plus, or I don't know, something. Last week, uh, Greg and I on BSBOT. If you want to check that out, you can go to patreon.com. Breakaway. Check it out now. We love you. Okay. I even wrote about it, Ryan. Yes, I true. used words with yeah. my fingers. I'm going to start writing soon again, too, as soon as things start happening. So uh, here we go. Let's uh, get let's I, get to Kumar I did, Rocker. I did think about writing a piece today about Kumar Rocker. But there was <laughs> kind of kind – of this is – it's not directly about Kumar. I, oh, you know what? Let me finish the thought I started early on in the pod. But I do want to talk to you. Once upon a time, before I thought the Mets were actually going to draft Kumar Rocker, I yes. was going to talk to you today about whether we think, or I think specifically, that people caring about future value has jumped the shark. But before I get there, um, what I was saying earlier, when Marcelo goes to the Red Sox at four, that was the first time I thought about it because I knew Henry Davis was always going to go top three. I knew that. Jack Leiter was always going to go top three. I knew that. Jack Leiter so could have key... gone to Boston. They were trying to make it happen, but it didn't happen. Yeah, and that would have – but the the key was that Leiter was off the board and Job still went before Marcelo. That's what made all of this possible because the Orioles were always going to go cheap. Uh, everybody knew that. The Diamondbacks were always going to take – the best of the prep shortstops that were available. And then that's when it get 
the Royal, the Met, Met fans for the first time ever. I understand that I still have negative feelings about them for 2015 and all that shit. Uh, th- thank you, Kansas City. Like, th- you did this. You made this possible. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. But without the Royals, Kumar Rocker does not happen. It's inexcusable. And I texted you this last night. It's inexcusable that the Angels, who now all of a sudden have not only the face of baseball in Shohei Itani, they have the greatest baseball player of all time returning in a couple weeks in Mike Trout. They've found a hidden gem in the rough in Jared Walsh. They've found they've signed Anthony Rendon. That lineup is scary. And when it's all healthy, could be very competitive. But the only person that could pitch on the Angels is aforementioned Shohei Otani. And so they have the ability to possibly pitch Kumar Rocker, if not next year, but the year after, when all these players will still be there and still be active, and you need to get Mike Trout and Shohei Otani to the playoffs ASAP because they're in their absolute primes. Well, to pass on what we would consider a top-five draft pick because maybe he was going to cost a little bit above slot number— and, and again, this is a prospect, and but you and I are, are prospect nerds. Kumar Rocker has the potential to throw 200 innings. Like, he's that kind of build. He's got that kind of power and that kind of repertoire. He's a v- I, very impressive pitcher. I will say this. But biases aside, and you know how much I love Kumar Rocker and will stand for this man no matter what. I do. At least with the Angels, like Sam Bachman is a legitimate prospect. It's a guy who can touch 102 and has a 93-mile-an-hour wipeout slider right now. Like, he's a legitimate prospect. That is a real pitcher. That is a guy you can make an argument with all the concerns about how much Vanderbilt pitched Rocker, how his velocity dipped a little bit this year, though I think it dipped mostly because everything that happened with COVID and these guys couldn't train with their teams leading up to the season, and this season was just so foobar for pitchers, everybody in college baseball, that I think that has more to do with anything than Kumar Rocker physically. But at least with Bachman, you can make an argument, Ryan, that dollars to donuts just as prospects, it's not that bad of a pick. The thing I, to your point, people forget, I think sometimes that, you know, sports is all about public relations too. And it's just the star power. You could have had Trout Otani and Kumar Rocker, and you could have actually challenged the Dodgers in terms of star power. And instead they just went with a guy who might be good and special, but like, even if rocker busts out, you don't get in trouble for taking Kumar rocker. No, no one's blaming you. Nobody. No one blames you. It, it, if it goes poorly, that, that them's the breaks. That's it. Yeah. Well, congratulations to the Mets because uh, I think they got a nice gem there. And I think it, it, it really does matter what team you go to too. Like if Steph Curry was drafted by the Knicks, he's never Steph Curry. That's just the fact. But I also think I, this is just the greatest situation in the world where Rocker, who is all fucking personality, all fucking dragon nuts, he wants to embarrass you, and now he's got a chip on his shoulder, and oh, by the way, he's going to do it in New York, and oh, by the way, the Mets made it a priority to sign him within eight hours of drafting him. And he grew up like, a Mets fan. Yeah, bro. It's could not – this is the – perfect situation it's like it's like if a player forced their way to the team they grew up rooting for and then turned out to be really good and won a norris their first year then went to a mets game and exchanged jerseys with francisco lindor it would be like that and i i will say i understand the lol mets 
shit that goes on. If there's one thing nobody can discredit, you can't slander the Mets on one thing. Those motherfuckers develop pitchers. They do. I, I, they, they fucking figured it out. I can't remember the last pitcher that busted out of the Mets system. They will at least has, like, be serviceable. Mont- Montero is probably the last guy that truly busted out. Even then, he had some flashes. He had and it. he's still pitching in the majors. Yeah. So, it's no, important. man, it's fucking great. But the, the real conversation I originally, once upon a time, was going to have with you at the start of this podcast yes. before, you know, Christmas came in fucking July. Yes. I don't even know what Christmas is, but I assume last night for me <laughs> nice. was Christmas. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Father's Day is. That was last month. Boom. Boom. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I want to have a conversation with you because this is something you and I talk about a lot. And we talked about it. The first time we've ever had this conversation was actually about Keith Yandel. That's mm-hmm. how far back, first of all, how far back this fucking podcast goes. Oh, my God. Second of all, how far back that conversation with you and I goes. I think we've jumped the shark a little bit when it comes to trading for future value. Because I just, I feel at a loss for words sometimes when I'm out here saying the Mets need to absolutely get Chris Bryant. It just, it's the missing piece. It's clear as day. If they get Chris Bryant, we're talking about a legitimate World Series contender. And uh, the amount of times people say, I don't know, do you think they're going to extend him? I don't care. I really don't. I, I, I think, I don't know what's happened. This is a recent phenomenon. It, it, it didn't used to be like this. But now it's just like, guys, it's okay if Chris Bryant is only a Met for three months. If he's the guy that the Mets think they need to get to the World Series. The National League East will never be this bad again. I don't care. I'd like... This is a freak accident, what's happening in the it's National It's very East. bad, Greg. It's horrendous. And, and Acuna's done. Right. Ian Anderson's got shoulder issues now, too. Uh, the Phillies can't get out of their own way. The Nationals are made of fucking paper plates. They are also collapsing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, the Marlins probably understand that it, they need to keep ripping off covers of their sheets and keep going. The, this, the, this season is set up for the Mets. I would trade just about it. Like... The only guy I'm not you trading You can't do Alvarez. Sorry, buddy. That's it. That, no, but that the, the only way I trade Alvarez if you're also giving me Kimbrel. If you're giving me Kimbrel and Bryant, I think I'll trade Alvarez if I'm getting both. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of value. But, I'm not, but I still don't need to extend them. Like, I, I, I would trade any of the three third basemen of the future the Mets have, Mauricio, Beatty, or uh, Vientos. Also, we need to pump the brakes on Beatty. I, I, yeah, people are sorry, a buddy. Ahead of themselves. Uh, you know, I'm a prospect nerd. Like, I like Beatty a lot. And he's not like a top fifty guy. Just at least no, in my what, opinion. Uh, why are you? Why are you apologizing to me? Yeah, he's just not. I mean, this is when we like Ranger fans get on, on higher on some of their prospects. Like, yeah. wh- what about? No, no, no. What about Brett Howden? Like, no. The way, the way I explain it to people, uh, Beatty has the highest floor of the threes. Like, I think Beatty at his worst will have an MLB career. Sure, he will make that's the a, majors. That's, that's extremely valuable, Greg. Right. But I think ceiling-wise, I think Beatty has the lowest ceiling of the three prospects. Vientos, I think Vientos has the highest probability of busting because there's a chance he just never hits higher than like 220 in the show and strikes out 35% of the time. But there's also outcomes where he's averaging 35 home runs a year and it's just a fucking machine. Mauricio, the sky's the limit for him. Good defensively. I just, I like well, I think I think I think both. That dude is just—he's still growing. He like since the Mets signed him, he's grown five inches and has put on forty pounds of muscle. 
I think you you could trade any of those guys for Chris Bryant, and you should be happy. I about would. It. I honestly would be happiest if they traded Beatty. Yeah, that's I, fine. I don't think I don't think his value is going to get higher. He's not going to hit three fifty all the time in the minor leagues. Very hard to do. And sometimes you hit three fifty and then come up to the major leagues and go over thirty eight. Yeah, I oh, oh, oh. so uh, <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I honestly, honest to God, hand to God, I would trade Beatty before either Vientos or Mauricio. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. And I think I don't. I know you saw that the Cubs had scouts at the Mets games already. So oh my God, did you see the two prospects they were interested in too? No, who was it? Oh my God, Jalen Palmer and JT Ginn. Okay, I'll drive them myself. Yeah, I don't even care about the Mets, and I'd help you. I'd go yeah. for the gas. I, it's just it's great to me when they're like, yeah, the Cubs have interest in utility man Jalen Palmer. Yeah, 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 utility man in low A. Where do you sure. want me to take him? Yeah. <laughs> where Where do you want me to go? Well, it, it's not a good sign, Ryan. It ain't a good sign when you don't have a position in low A. I feel that's not versus that's not versatility. I don't feel. I, I wish I could feel bad for the Cubs fans, but you have one of the, the best World Series wins of all time. So yeah, you're good. Congratulations. And I, I, to be fair, I like JT Ginn too. Well, you know, close to Cubs fans. Not that you're listening, but if you, you won it and you had the chance to keep it going, and everybody dropped the ball there. Everybody dropped the ball in every decision they made. Trade you traded you Darvish like it's over. You know that's that's it. So but you didn't just trade you Darvish. You traded you Darvish for pee pee poo poo. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I so to Met fans that are like, but like, I when do you think this? When do you think this change happens? By the way, that now everyone is just obsessed with service time and how much how much team control someone has. When it was like, players. when did prospects come better than having a superstar player? <laughs> is what you're saying? Yeah, I think like six years ago, like right around like 2015, 2016, in all sports. Where, so you, you think the the last time this happened is when the Yankees got Glaber and Clint Frazier for Andrew Miller and yeah. Chapman? It's similar. I, I was talking about the the obsession with the future future. Wow, Aaron, the future picks and prospects. Yeah, they, it's it's an Overwatch night, baby. I totally understand. Um, yeah, with the future picks and prospects, like that's when people were like started to value the these these ELCs. Like, oh, what about this? And everyone sees the Rays, and they try and be like, we could be like the Rays. Well, you can't, but okay. No. To me, I I, I, understand, I understand and appreciate future value. I th- what I'm encouraging the Mets to do, I would not encourage the Rangers to do in this specific instance because they're simply at different points in what they're trying to do. Mets could win but this year, dude. All you need is Jacob that's, Degrom. That's my point. The whole point of all of this is to win a ring, and I understand that a good organization is not just focused on winning one ring; it's winning multiple rings. But you got to win one in order to win multiple. And if three months of Chris Bryant guarantees me or brings me as close as humanly possible to one ring, then I got to tell you, I don't care what happens after the season. Also, first of all, one more thing about for that, Greg, is not a lot of teams that are like juggernauts right now. In any, no. in, 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 I mean, the Dodgers, they're not even in the first place. dude. Like, and also, Ryan, I'll go one step further. Might not be baseball next season. Yeah. Forget about forget about like whether the Mets can keep Chris Bryant after this year. Just talk about the fact that we're in for an ugly work stoppage after the season. Yeah, we might be. So that's yeah. uh that's go it. get it. Go get it. Get it. I, I just I don't I, I don't want to see another Met fan jump at me being like, I don't know, I, I don't feel comfortable about trading for Chris Bryant, who can play three different positions 
and hit 40 home runs in half a season because you're worried that he might not be a Met come 2020. Yeah, and I promise Just you win that, this year, and I'll forget about it. I promise you that Steve Cohen will continue to pay for good position players, and you will not miss the unless it's Alvarez. You will not miss the prospect you traded. Yeah, I promise. I promise. It, it's just it's one of those things like it, we've said it about Eichel. We're going to say it about Chris Bryant. It's not going to cost what you think it's going to cost. First of all, there are a lot of hitters available. The Cubs are shooting themselves in the foot by also trading Anthony Rizzo. Are they uh, trading the Rizzo Braves too? Really? Oh yeah. Are they They're trading Rizzo, Baez Rizzo? also? Oh yeah. They're oh, fucked. They're trading everybody. They're going to suck. Oh my god. Um, there, Ryan. There's first of all, Trevor Story still getting traded. The Rockies could also still trade Ryan McMahon, who, by the way, secretly I'd really like. Um, you have players on the Twins that can make this market very interesting. I don't want Josh Donaldson, but if his name's out there, it's going to hurt the Chris Bryant market. And I got to tell you, Ryan, if people keep dying in Atlanta, Freddie Freeman's a free agent at the end of the year, and it's weird that he's not extended at this point. Hmm. <laughs> Makes you think kind of moment. Yeah, Steve, he's They're got- not gonna, he won't, I'm not saying he's going to get traded to the Mets. They wouldn't even have anywhere to play him. I get that. Yep. But all I'm saying is you're going to have to start asking questions sooner rather than later that it's a little fucking weird that Freddie Freeman could possibly even become a free agent. Yeah, we'll see. I think you're the work stoppage thing. The point you made there is the number one. Like, go for it, please. Go for it. There might not be baseball next year. Go for it. There will be and hell to pay. Not just that, but, like, whether you th- – like, the rules of free agency are going to change anyway because that's the one thing players are most fucking pissed off about. So whether you're worried if the Mets could qualify Chris Bryant or not, it doesn't matter because the rules are going to change. That's a go get him. Go go get your guy. Let's get to Euro get 2020, and then uh, I want to get out of here. Uh, I don't watch soccer. I don't usually care. I watched both England games versus Denmark and versus Italy. The Both games were tremendous. Uh, I, I had a shockingly good time watching, and I don't know why, but I felt bad for England, and I felt bad feeling bad for England when I said I felt bad for England on Twitter. <laughs> um. I will say there's the one thing I hate the most in soccer are the fucking people who do the stutter step before the Dude, penalty. What? I, I'm so not trying to the, play the these funny... kids. They're children. Uh, yes. But uh, it was very strange to do like this stutter step move instead of like a fluid. I don't know. I don't know shit about soccer. I have no right. idea. No. So the, the ironic thing, Ryan, is um, again, Aaron, the roommate, our mutual friend. Yes. Jorginho, who took the fifth kick and fucking missed it with the chance to win for Italy, he's the guy that Aaron and I originally was like, fuck this dude. We hate, he does that shit every time. It seemingly never fucking works. And yet he's just, he's got this cockiness and bravado about it where I just, I can't stand him. He's maybe one of my three least favorite players in the world of international soccer. Can't fucking stand him. Hate him. Was so happy that he fucked it up to cost Italy potentially the win. And then so fucking heartbreaking when it didn't actually come through. There was that glimmer, that small moment there where I was like, wow, worst thing couldn't have happened. Well, when, when, when Jordan Pickford makes the save, I was like, holy shit, this is yeah. amazing. This is stuff oh of God. legends. And then they I, tell me how often this happens because I really don't know. How often okay. is it that you miss three penalty shots? It's It's rare. Man, it's rare. I'd say, uh, I'd say more times than not, um, 
most penalties usually end like five four or four three. Wow. I can't remember the last time I saw it. What sucks it sucks to ended end like on penalties. Three, two, right? Italy was the better team, like the whole time, I thought at least. Uh they were Well, definitely from, from halftime onward. Yep. England was hanging on for dear life. Uh the Italy corrected whatever they needed to correct at halftime. And they they were the deserved winner. They were the better team um that day. But yeah, I I I personally can't stand penalties, but that might have been the best penalty shootout I've ever seen. What, it was just incredible. I actually got me super excited for World Cup. I know I'll never get into Premier League as much as I kind of want to. I just don't, like, I don't know. I, I wish I could, I, but I'm super excited for World Cup next year, which I didn't realize was next November. That's crazy. I don't even know if the yeah. USA is going to be good at all. Probably not. What? I mean, we should be. Is this, like, the best, better team we've had in a long time? They're just it, – it's all young stars now. Got it. So it's like – There's no bets. I mean, I'm not going to – I'm not going to – I'm name, not going to – Don't, gonna don't name, names. name names. Yeah. with you. But, yeah, it's like the average age of the American stars, I think, is it might be 21. Oh, shit. Maybe. <laughs> it, it's, they're all babies, but, like, one of them's a teenage wonder kid for one of the best teams in Germany. That's the one kid with the, Chris, the, the hard name to say, right? Well, no, Gio Reyna is the son of a U.S. men's national team player who has become a star in Germany. There's Weston Mc... I'm sorry, I'm naming names now, but you're fucking stuck with it. West McKinney plays for Juventus, which an American playing for Juventus and starting for Juventus is unheard of. Uh, Kristen Pulisic... Yeah, that's is, the name I know. He's the face of American soccer, and he's making a difference at Chelsea. Then you have... like The one thing the United States has to figure out is... They've never been able to develop defensive center backs, but they're getting close and they don't really have an through and through striker, but it's not a hundred percent certain that they need one because they have so much speed on the wings that they might be able to do it without Got a it. natural striker. Got it. But the, the real, the real problem is for whatever reason, the United States has never been able to develop a center back and that is important. I think so. Well, I had a, I had a great time. It actually made me want to watch a little more soccer. Congratulations. Um, it was awesome. It's not always like that, though. So there you go. No. It, this That game could not have been better, though. That was just perfect. Fantastic. Feel bad for England? All right. We're actually going to get out of here to the longer show of Pavlovich Devich. And um, we'll be back with Kumar Rock. Oh, oh, yeah, Kumar Kumar Rocker. Rocker. Sorry. The Kumar Rocker show. My bad. Number one yep. Kumar Rocker podcast. Uh, we'll be back <laughs> later this week at BSBOT where we'll talk more about Kumar Rocker, I'm sure. Later, love you guys. You know, you know, you want, you want to know how amazing yeah. Kumar Rocker getting drafted by the Mets is actually? Tell me. Final, final thoughts. Saratoga opens on Thursday. I didn't bring up horse racing once. That's incredible. That is incredible. All right. Well, I forgot. <laughs> we'll be recording Wednesday night. All right. I'm going to thank our patrons now. We're going to get out of here. Here we go. Transition. And this podcast has been brought to you by our Patreon subscribers, the GMs of the show that make the show go themselves. For real. Alex Gardner, Amber Cohensberger, Ben Waters, Brian Doyle, Broadway Blue Blue Shirt Bleeder. Oh my goodness. CJ Stellwagen, David Siegel, Dennis Dites, Eric Stagg, Georgia Britsky, Jarian Marquez, JD, Jimmy Mack, Chris from Florida, Lazik Ronkowski, Matthew Kine, he's legendary man, Pavel uh, Kodrev, oh man, Kodradyev. Man, okay, I'm the worst. Uh, Ryan, of course, that's not me, but another Ryan. Stephen Lomayer, Steve Bull from also Swingard, Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan, Vinny Hay, and Will Spector. Cannot thank you enough for supporting the show. If you want to become a supporter from the show, go to patreon.com. Starts as low as $1 to support our dumb asses. We'll see you next week. We love you so much. O'Ryan Meet on Twitter. Greg is at Blue Church Break. Bye.